Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that is very important to newlyweds. Do you need a prenup? So let's dive in. Today, we are here with Touchstone Associate Molly Ellis, who is our newest newlywed in the office and therefore the perfect person to discuss the most infamous and important of premarital planning documents, the prenup. Hi, Molly. Hi. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? My name is Molly Shrule Ellis, although not quite technically because we had some issues with filing our marriage license. So we're still making this happen. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that later. But Are I you have really married? recently had a wedding ceremony and I um, grew up in Sanford, North Carolina, a small town, lived in Raleigh and Greensboro, and now I'm here working for Lee in family law. So, Molly, one of the things that I sort of learned over the last 30 years is that when I got married, I had a student loan debt and 1980 Honda. And that was about it. So it didn't really occur to me to sit down and talk about a prenup. I wasn't doing family law at that point. I'd graduated from law school and I was clerking at the South Carolina Supreme Court And it did not even cross my mind because at that time, I just didn't have anything. And my now husband had a townhouse and had his car and had his job and was a little more established, but he had only been working a couple of years too. So it never occurred to me at that time to even do a prenup. And as I, of course, got into family law, I started strongly advocating it to everyone like, no, you need to go in and, and talk about it. But you just most recently went through this. So you did tons and tons of wedding planning. But what thoughts did you do, you know, go through with the prenup conversation? Well, a prenuptial agreement is a, an important document going into a wedding. Obviously, you're planning out what color napkins you're going to have and also what kind of cake you're going to have. But sometimes the things that you don't want to discuss are financial matters, student loan, going to law school, definitely have those, ownership of houses, um, apartments, anything like that, cars. Obviously, neither of us are that much older and have created that much wealth of our own. But thinking about the future and seeing some of the things I see in the office every day, such as fights about things that you might not have thought your spouse was interested in, like jewelry, or going to the spa, or some of the things you might have more money for in the future. These can be kind of some of the things that you forget when you're getting into a marriage, especially if you don't have that much of your own already. So one thing that I read a lot about as I've 
drafted prenuptial agreements and researched them and helped my clients figure things out about is that there are some things you can do to create less stress in the future and maybe take away some of the tension that could create a divorce in the first place. I know there are creative um, things that have been added to agreements. Um, You know, you might be more willing to fight about someone's inheritance or something that they might get that you aren't actually entitled to, or maybe one of you moved the country to marry someone. um, And that might be a form of resentment. You can create terms maybe that keep the other from fighting over something that you already know might be in the future. So you can kind of create a way to balance that stress. So if you already know just from your relationship that there's been issues that somebody is sensitive about or, you know, that when you were doing the wedding planning you saw came up, if you're really worried that just to put somebody's mind at ease, like, oh, no, this is not going to happen to you. We can do a prenup that says this will never happen to you. And and so that's true. There's many more people now that grew up in homes where their parents were divorced or were fighting, and it does color the way they look at their own nuptials and, and whether or not to get married and, and worry about that. So a prenuptial agreement might put somebody's mind at ease if they were promising that they would behave a certain way if the marriage didn't work out the way they wanted. So it could be some security. Right. And a lot of times we see it as maybe a threat to entering the marriage of someone doesn't trust you enough or someone might have caution or fear about the way you'll act in the future. But sometimes it can be something to use kind of on the defensive end to make people feel more comfortable, actually, and create a longer lasting marriage. So I, at this point, have been practicing family law for a very long time. And where I am finding my prenups going now is I have my former divorced clients coming back and they've found someone else. And having been through the divorce once before, they're coming back because they want a prenup so that they never have to go through what they went through the first time. So if they had a bad ending to their marriage in in the terms of having a lot of litigation or a court process, they're very eager to go ahead and, and lay it out. So I think that it is common for people who have already been married and divorced, already have children with another another person to come in and try to protect what's left, I guess, of a state that they already had to split once before. So I, I think that one is, is fairly common. People are yes. aware of that. I think people that have a lot of family businesses or inherited money are used to the, the idea of a prenup, it's already been discussed. But let's talk about the people that come in into the situation where they don't really have a great amount of wealth at this point. Why might a prenup be a good idea for a 30-something who's embarking on their first marriage? What are do you think are some advantages to at least going and talking to an attorney about a prenuptial agreement? Well, When we're younger and getting married, I guess you kind of see the fancy side of it, the wedding, and you haven't had a divorce and you haven't seen things gone bad. Maybe you have a parent that's been through a divorce or you've seen that side of it, but you haven't really thought about all of the different things that may come across your during your marriage that will be threats just through financial stress. So I think if you can think about now coming in to talk about a prenuptial agreement, it also opens the floor for transparency about things that maybe you haven't talked to your spouse about. So maybe you've come in to just talk about ways that when you're married, you'll talk about a will or something or some other aspect of the law. But when you come in, it will be a great conversation to have a discussion about a prenuptial agreement because you are having to open up with your spouse and talk about things like 
paying for parents as they're older or what's going to happen to the family business if we break up or what's going to happen to the home that I've already bought before the marriage. Or even if we have nothing now, let's say that you fall ill and I'm the one person kind of with a career and create all the money from that. So even though you might be thinking kind of futuristically and these things haven't happened yet, it's a good way to open that conversation. And maybe you'll learn something about what your spouse is thinking that you might not have known going into marriage. That doesn't mean you have to change your mind on who you're marrying, but at least there's that open forward for discussion about the way y'all might plan to finance your future and also how you'll um, problem solve if something does happen that's stressful. Well, and one of the the most basic things that you have to have when you do a, a prenuptial agreement is you have to have a complete financial disclosure. Yes. So when somebody comes in to do a, a financial resolution through a prenup, they have to say what their debts are and what their their assets are. So I don't know how many people do that when I see the video of the, the grand engagement. I haven't really noticed there being any disclosures exchanged at the same time as the ring is. So I'm surprised how many people had no idea when they went into marriage that they had a um, a spouse that had, you know, $150,000 worth of student loan and $50,000 worth of credit cards and a leased car and leased furniture. And, and, and they literally had no idea. Yes. And those are kind of some of the things these 30 year old 27 when I got married, those are the things that we're not thinking about because we haven't been through divorce. So things like debts we've already got, of course, through loans, but also credit cards and things like that and not knowing maybe how it works when you get married and how marital property is split equally and kind of understanding some of those things and creating that plan for your future. Because I think one of the most important things is when people go into a wedding and they go into a marriage, they have some assumptions of what the marriage is going to be like. But nobody seems to put a lot of thought into what, quote unquote, the divorce might be like. Right. For obvious reasons, you're not planning for it to end. But so many people come into our offices when they're now contemplating a divorce or separation and they think that they lived their marriage in a way economically that protected them from the onslaught of divorce. And they are devastated to find out that, oh, they didn't, weren't even close to making financial decisions that would protect them in any way. Because the only thing that would have protected them was to have had a prenuptial. So, for instance, we have people that come in that say, we never had a joint bank account. Right. We, we kept everything separate. Had my sole name on a um, debit card the or a credit house, card. Right. That house is only in my name. You know, that car is only in my name. Nope, that debt's in her name. And they are absolutely devastated when we tell them it does not matter. You're right. And a lot of people don't realize the law at all about marital property. And that's another thing that's great to talk about a prenuptial um, mm-hmm. before you get married because you may have no idea what financially you're being tied to and how that's going to look to a judge in the state of North Carolina, Mm -hmm. just because your car is titled in your sole name, just because you've been paying off the house that you have, just just because you've made this great investment, doesn't mean that it's going to be yours. Equal is equitable here. And you may be looking at giving half of that to your spouse. Mm -hmm. So not only is a prenuptial agreement useful and separating some things that you already know about, um, creating separate property for yourself, deciding what you're going to do with certain wealth you plan to have. It's also good to know about what things you may be losing or you may be handing over to the person you're committing your life to before you do. And we have a lot of situations where people are purchasing houses before they're getting married. Yes. Before the ceremony, like in anticipation of getting married. And they go ahead and purchase a house. And the prenups can actually help with that. Yes. 
and make it clear that it's marital and say that the home will be redeeded and and retitled or refinanced within a certain amount of time of a marriage or say that it's intended that it be marital if just one person owned it. So that's a very helpful thing. How you handle if one of the parents contributes a significant amount of money towards something, but the other doesn't because they just don't have it or they have more children or you can actually in your prenup make sure that you kind of carve that out yes, and say, you know, mom and dad are giving us $100,000 towards this house. And if our marriage doesn't work, that wasn't a gift to both of us. It wasn't a gift to both of us. They, they want it back or they want me to have it. So you can actually take care of a lot of things and, and clarify it on the front end and Really coming in for the consultations or to speak with somebody is the important part, right? Right. I would agree with that. And I know that it's become more of a commonplace thing for people to come in. But honestly, if you do listen to some of these people that have been through a divorce, and I've talked about how much they would want to prenup and how much you can do to protect yourself in the future. And though that might seem a little bit less romantic, there's a reason they're becoming a lot more of a conversation because divorce rates are rising. And, you know, if you listen to these people that have been through it, even television shows, the word prenuptial agreement is no longer really frowned upon. It's something that people are really using to protect themselves. So even though it's looking at a a worst case scenario for your marriage, it may be something to look into just as far as planning and trying to prevent some of those bad things from happening in your marriage, because financial stress is one of the biggest stressors in a marriage that we've seen. And I find that that's one of the reasons why I think it's a really good idea for people to, to take that time to consider it is because we do see that the financial stresses really have almost more of an impact on a, a marriage breaking down really even than infidelity Yes, um, in terms of numbers. So when a person is considering a prenuptial agreement, first of all, I know you're of the same opinion as I am, is you do not download a form online. Yes, I'm definitely in agreement with that. Right. So do not do the do-it-yourself prenup because it might be good enough to uh, stand up and yet be a really bad prenuptial agreement that you're going to regret anybody yes. knowing is out there. So definitely go in and talk to somebody. But they should plan on making sure that there's at least three elements, right? They need plenty of time. Yes. Don't sign this thing on the night of your rehearsal dinner. And do not give it to your spouse to be the week before the wedding. We really should have prenups negotiated before the wedding invitations are mailed out. Yes. It's probably a good rule of thumb because if you're something that comes up in this prenup that makes you change your mind about the spouse, and I do not see that happen. Like I've actually never seen that happen in a single prenup that I've written where they actually called off the wedding. But if you do it far enough in advance, there is at least not that pressure on top of you that you've already at least that, you know, people had the invitations, deposits have been paid and, and venues have been right. selected. But you also have to have to take the time to prepare that financial. Yes. Disclosure. And you have to have provided full disclosure of your financial assets and debt. So that takes time. Um, it takes time to provide all that disclosure to someone and give them time to think about the decision they're going to make. I, and really, both people need an attorney. Both people do need an attorney. I had um, a client last year getting married and he flew in during a hurricane. He signed it the week before he got married. And, you know, I had to tell him over and over, you've got to look at all of these things, look at the financial statements and the assets. And he had full disclosure, but he definitely wasn't feeling that, you know, romantic bounce before his wedding. And again, you want to make sure someone's in their right state of mind. So coming in a week before your marriage, you've got a lot of other things going on. So you want to make sure that if you're in front of a court, you can prove that that person was in the right capacity to sign an agreement and they weren't being influenced in a negative way by the upcoming marriage. So given time, that's a big, that's a big thing that you want to have. 
Well, I don't think that it's, it's probably reasonable to expect for people to go in and do financial counseling before they actually go by the ring. But if I were plotting, I would be I would be strongly advocating for doing the financial counseling before and the legal counseling before you actually make the decision. But really just doing it all before the wedding is is super important, I think, yes. for people's understanding. And there's some definite things that you cannot expect a prenuptial agreement to take care of. So why don't you tell listeners about that? Well, you can't promise something that's illegal. So you can't promise something that you would be put in jail for that you're going to do in the event that your marriage ends. Um, you can't agree to anything about child custody or child support. These children aren't, they're not born yet. And you would be thinking about a situation that isn't even provided yet and maybe wouldn't be able to provide for your children correctly in the event that you do divorce alimony. If you agree to terms of alimony, if one spouse waives alimony and this would put them in the care of the state and make them poor enough to have to have provisions from the state, then that waiver will not be upheld. So those are the some of the things that you can't plan for. And that's really just taking away the risk of you don't know what you're going to be, what situation you're going to be in when you go through your divorce. So you don't want to leave your spouse or your children unprotected and not taken care of. The North, North Carolina is not going to uphold those kinds of terms. And really, it's most useful for assets. Yes. Retirement accounts, useful. houses, cars, savings accounts, debts, businesses, yes. those sorts of things. It really isn't a really wonderful shield against things like future financial support of another human, right? Like alimony or child support. It really, no matter how you try to provide it. So it is common for people to seek an alimony waiver in a prenup. They're very common. And I, I would say that that's probably one of the most common things. And I mean, I guess on one end, if your spouse isn't going to become so poor that they have to rely on the state to provide for them, that could be upheld. But I wouldn't want to rely on that waiver of alimony if you're really worried about someone not being able to receive spousal support from you at the end of your marriage. And and one thing that I've always reminded people of, and I don't know that they ever listen to me, but circumstances change. So I'll often have a person coming in here that's insisting on an alimony waiver, assuming that the other person who is at that time not very financially savvy and not earning a lot of money is going to, and everything is going to stay that way. Right. And unfortunately things happen in life and the tide can turn. Yes. And so those alimony waivers are mutual. Yes. And so the person seeking it at some point in the future may find themselves really wishing that they had not included that in their prenup because they're now the one in need of alimony and their spouse is in position to pay it. And they waived it back when they had plenty of money thinking that they were doing something smart. So I personally am not a big fan of the alimony waiver in in its entirety. But it doesn't always have to be all or nothing. I mean, there's some creative things that you can put in a prenuptial agreement that discuss alimony that are not necessarily a waiver, right? Right. Yes. You can provide that you will give them a certain amount of support. You can provide that you'll give them support in other ways, such as maybe the marital property, one of the marital properties. If you're, you know, thinking those terms, you can say you can provide a percentage of your income that kind of creates some barrier to them having all of your income. You can provide that there will be no alimony unless you're married a certain amount of years. That's true. So as you well. can cap it so that it's not something that somebody can bring to the table in a really short marriage, but definitely something that will be looked at if the marriage is very successful for a long period of time before before something happens. So you can set time limits on it. 
you can set up formulas or you can even at least in the prenup say that alimony is going to be determined in a certain factor. Like you can pick an arbitration clause. Yes. At the time you're getting married and saying, we will never leave this up to a judge. We are deciding right now if alimony is an issue, if we separate or divorce, that we are going to agree to binding arbitration. Exactly. Which is probably a very smart, smart plan. If anybody's ever felt like they were at the whim of the judicial system arguing about about that issue, they would understand that sometimes just choosing how you're going to resolve a situation could be could be really helpful. Yes, I would agree that being creative about your postnuptial agreement is another way for you guys to start brainstorming some problem solvings with your finances in the future. And I think with the waiver of alimony, you can create some of those barriers to maybe not be an all or nothing exclusion, but to create some protections there as well. So I probably shouldn't talk about this one with you since you've just recently finished getting married, but I will tell you one of my favorite prenup provisions is I actually had somebody who insisted on having it in the prenup that if the marriage didn't last more than, I think it was three years, that the other spouse had to repay like the honeymoon cost and some of the wedding cost because they were doing some really extravagant, they had an opportunity through his employment to, to do some big sort of travel. And so for whatever reason, he was insisting that for some reason, if this marriage didn't last, that he wanted like this back and that back and the other thing back. And I remember thinking it was sort of interesting. And I felt mm-hmm. like that would be the one clause that was going to make a marriage not happen. Right. Because he was just adamant that he was spending all of this money on this fabulous wedding and flying all of these people in. And they were doing a really nice right. wedding. Yeah. And he didn't really want a lot in the prenup. But it was like, if this person didn't stick, <laughs> it was going to be it was going to be split or repaid. And I remember thinking that it was really so unusual that it would probably make the bride be like, no. Yes, it's, it's kind of hitting hitting home on those celebrations that are coming very shortly that are supposed to be so romantic. I would think that it would... was kind of interesting. But what I found out afterwards was is that this person had been, you know, like literally not really left at the altar, but it had somebody pull out of something really, really close to the situation one time before. And it was really more of a security blanket. It was almost like an extra commitment that this bride made for him that, no, I'm not going anywhere. I don't take this lightly. You're not going to find me in two years walking out the door. And she didn't balk at all and actually signed it and agreed to do it. And last last I heard, they are still married. So I remember thinking that that was just an interesting example of something that actually facilitated the the marriage and the wedding by taking care of, of, of a risk or fear that that person was really, really concerned about. And it ended up being something that the bride-to-be in that situation was perfectly willing to pledge that as long as it wasn't at his fault that the marriage fell right. apart. <laughs> so I think she added a couple of clauses as long as he didn't cheat on her or mm-hmm. wasn't abusive or didn't get to anything that if those were not the reasons for the marriage falling apart that she would do it. But um, but yes, people can be very, very creative. And sometimes those things do protect people and I think maybe make marriages more successful. I agree. So if you are interested in talking about prenups and you would really like to to be working with somebody who's more recently been through the wedding planning stages particularly and really understands what you're going through about having to have this conversation at the same time as you're picking out bands for your, your reception, call the office and, and ask for Molly and she will be more than happy to help you.
Yes, I will. Thanks for coming and chatting with us. Thank you. So there you have it. Another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here. So I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully, it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time. The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.